welcome to today's episode. Today I will be reading Neville Goddard's lecture titled The Pattern Man. And this is going to be uh, part one of two of this particular lecture, given the length. Uh, let's get into it. So Neville tells his audience, tonight's subject is the pattern man. Paul, in his final letter to Timothy, when he felt that he was about to depart this world, he wrote, Timothy, and he said, Follow the pattern of the sound words which you have heard from me. Guard the truth which has been entrusted to you by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. 2 Timothy 1.13 and 14 Paul's letters were written 20-odd years before any other part of the New Testament. The earliest gospel is Mark. That came 20-odd years after the letters of Paul. It was in Paul that the entire story unfolded itself. Paul said, When it pleased God to reveal his Son in me, I did not confer with flesh and blood. Galatians 1.16 and 17 To whom would he turn? And he spent his last days, as told us in the book of Acts, expounding the matter to them. Acts 28:23 trying to convince them about Jesus then from the law of Moses and from the prophets and some were convinced by what he said while others disbelieved Acts 28:23 23 and 24 he found the pattern like everyone we are looking for a man some strange being coming out of space to save humanity and he was one of those who looked for a man. Then he found it was not a man, but a pattern that was buried in man, that God had prepared the way for his sons to return, and the way is buried in man as a pattern. When that pattern unfolded in man, then the one in whom it unfolds realized who the coming one really was. If you take the 39 books of the Old Testament, although they are written across the centuries, they form one book, and events that are widely separated in time are welded into a pattern, and that pattern unfolds within the individual, forming what we call in Scripture, Jesus. Jesus, then, is a pattern. I call Jesus a pattern man. The first one to use the word Jesus is Paul. The first one to use the word Christ is Paul. He speaks of Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus has the same root as the word Jehovah, the Lord God Jehovah. The same root as that of Jesus, and the word Messiah, and the word Christ, are one and the same. So when he speaks of Jesus Christ, he is speaking of the Lord God Jehovah and his Messiah. Now where did he find it in the Old Testament? In the second book of Samuel, the seventh chapter, we read these words. Go to my servant David, and say to David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, which is a euphemism for death, when you are dead and you are buried with your fathers, your forefathers, I will raise up your son after you, who will come forth from your body. I will be his father and he shall be my son. Second Samuel 7.12-14 Here he tells David that he is going to raise up a son that will come forth from his body and that he, the Lord, will be the father of that body. That son will call him father. 
Now everyone was looking for the physical descent of someone called David, because they did not understand the great mystery of Scripture. David symbolizes humanity. The whole vast world of man is symbolized as David, and he will raise up out of man that which will be the Son of God. Well, you are that man. I am a man. Regardless of our sex, generically, we are all man, whether you be male or female. So I will raise up out of man a son that will come forth from his body, but I will be his father, not the man out of which he is raised. I, the Lord, will be his father. Well, how on earth would you know this unless it happened to you? You can hear it from others, as they heard it from Paul, as you are hearing it from me. In the early church, Paul was known as the Apostle. Not just any Apostle, but the Apostle. As though there were no others, because Paul, whoever Paul was. But Paul is that state that everyone must reach. When he reaches that state called Paul, then it happens in him, and he is sent to tell it. So he tells it, hoping to convince those who will listen to him concerning this great mystery. And some were convinced by what they heard, while others disbelieved. Acts twenty-eight twenty-four. He used scripture to persuade them. He showed them in scripture what he really meant. As it unfolded in him, then he took scripture, and this is what it meant. For in me something was raised, but it wasn't another, it was myself. I found myself buried in myself. When I rose in myself, I came out of this thing you call a man. So the son was raised out of man, which is David. Now that which came out is my very being. I came out, and then in time, in a not too distant time after coming out, here I found humanity personified as a David, out of which I came. And humanity then became my son, but I then was the father. He simply raised up himself out of man. It was the father who was buried in man. He raises up out of man himself, so that man who was raised can say, I and my father are one. John 10.30 So, when you see me, you see the father, for I and my father are one. John 10.30 We are not two. First there is a father, and then a son, and then it is David. The whole of humanity personified will come out as David. So the pattern is buried in man, and God has prepared the way through that pattern for himself to return. It was God who came down into humanity. It is God who actually became as we are, that we may be as he is, because it is God who is buried in man. Now you may say, will he suffer as I have suffered? Well, we are told in scripture, he took our infirmities and bore our diseases. Matthew eight seventeen. Well, someone said to me, after all, he bore my disease, and he took upon himself my infirmities. It is I who suffer. I am suffering, not any other. And they repeated it, I am suffering. Well, who do you think God is? What is his name forever and ever? It is not revealed in scripture, or is it not revealed in scripture, 
My name forever and forever is I am. <clears throat> Exodus 34 through 15. Or 30, Exodus, I'm sorry, Exodus 3, 14 and 15. Now when you go to the people of the world called Israel and they ask you what is his name, say to them, I am. That is who I am. This is my name forever. So you say that you are suffering and not God. You have a false God when you say, I am suffering, but he is not. <clears throat> who is he? His name is I am. He isn't pretending that he is you. If he pretended that he is you, that would be God masquerading under a veil of flesh, masquerading as a man. He is not masquerading as a man. He became man actually became as you are, that you may be as he is. So when he raises up his son through the body, it is you that he raises. And to show you that you are God, he has one more marvelous experience. There are four mighty experiences. The first one, he raises up in you as you. That one is simply one side of the coin. The same night that you awake within yourself is the night that you are born from above. As you are told in scripture, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are born from above. You must be born again, John 3, 3. <clears throat> so that is told you. So the first night that you awake within yourself, the same night you are born from above. Then he unfolds in the next great drama, which comes about 139 days later. In my own case, it did. So I would say approximately five months later, this thing happens. When actually you realize what came out. He raised himself because it is God. If God is a father, then God has a son. Then you find his son. And in finding his son is your son, how you know who he raised up. At first you are aware of being John. If your name is John. And that's who came out. Then five months later, when he raises up now his son, and you are the father of that son, then you know who actually he raised. He raised himself as you. So there is only God buried in humanity. Therefore, there can only be God to be raised. And if God is a father, he has to raise up his son. So the son is made to say in scripture, Thou wouldst not leave my soul in hell. Acts 2.27 Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Psalms 31.5 So here out of man comes the meaning of his promise. I will raise up your son after you. When you lie down with your fathers, Second Samuel 7.12 I will be his father, and he shall be my son. So when you are raised up, you think then, am I now the son? No, not yet. You are the father, but you do not know it yet. And then 139 days later, another explosion of the mind, and this time he raises up the sun. But he first raises himself. <clears throat> you are the self. Then he raises the sun, and you are the father of that, that he now raises. Therefore, you are God the Father. Everyone is going to experience it. I don't care what you have done, or what you are planning to, or what you are doing now. It's irrelevant. You may have a dream that you are a billionaire. Well, that is all right. It will all pass away. It means nothing. You may have the dream of being the greatest scientist in the world and bring something into the world completely unknown to man. 
and receive all the plaudits of the world. It will pass away. It means nothing. This is the only reality. God redeeming himself. God ventured into death. This world is the world of death. Everything dies. It appears, it waxes, it wanes, and then it vanishes. Everything in this world comes in, grows, wanes, and disappears. But that which I am talking about is forever. Eternity came down into time and buried itself in time. In man. And he is buried in man. Then in the fullness of time he redeems himself through a pattern. So Jesus of scripture is the pattern man, the eternal man. There's no other way to the Father. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. John fourteen six. There's no other way. So when people tell me, can it be in this religion or that religion, or the other religion, or in something other than this, I reply, there is no other. There is only one way to the Father, and that way is through this pattern man. And Jesus Christ is the pattern buried in every man. While Jesus is the Lord God Jehovah, God the Father, and Christ is his Son, the Messiah called David. And David calls him Father, calls him my God, calls him my Lord. So he said, how did David call me? He called me in spirit. Well, what did he call me? He called me my Lord. Read it in scripture. What think ye of me? And they answered the son of David, the son of David. Then why did David in the spirit call me my Lord? If David thus calls me my Lord, how can I be his son? He is my son and he symbolizes humanity. For I, the pattern man, I am buried in every child born of woman, regardless of his race, regardless of his nationality, regardless of anything. I am buried in everyone. And in everyone, in the fullness of time, I will rise and will awaken in man as a man in whom I awaken. He will know it at that moment when I awaken in him. He will simply know that something happened. He will know that he came out of his own skull, which was to him a tomb. He came out of that skull and he was born from above. <clears throat> but he is bewildered. He tries to tell others and they have no ears to listen to him. For to them he has some strange hallucination. It's not what they were looking for. So don't bring me any nonsense, they will say. Thus he spent every day, from morning to evening, just simply expounding the matter to them, trying to testify to them concerning the kingdom of God, trying to convince them concerning Jesus. See Acts 28-23. Well, they never heard of Jesus, for the word Jesus came into the language only through Paul. But he knew Jesus meant Jehovah. He's trying to convince them of the reality of this self-existent being called Jehovah. He named it Jesus. yad is the root of it. And then some were convinced by what he said, because he used scripture. Well, the only scripture he could have used in those days was the Old Testament, for there was no New Testament. The first books of the New Testament are the 13 letters of Paul, 
and they preceded the next book of the New Testament by at least 20-odd years, which is the Gospel of Mark. That book was written 20-odd years after these letters of Paul. And Paul's first letter is Galatians. In Galatians, he tells us, When it pleased God to reveal his Son in me, the preposition is in, not to, but in me. I did not confer with flesh and blood. Galatians 1.16 To whom could I turn? A Freudian? To one who studied with Jung? Or one who studied with Adler? What could they tell me? What on earth could any man in this world tell me if he is going to rationalize based upon his concept of Jung or Adler or Freud or any other doctor? They do not know. Well, here the whole thing is buried in man. So just imagine someone who knew his Old Testament backwards. He had committed it to memory. He knew it. A learned man was Paul. And then he studied and studied but couldn't find it. He couldn't find the answer as he studied it. But then it erupted within him. That tree had never yet born fruit, and suddenly the tree of life began to unfold within him, and the fruit unfolded within him. Well, he is the tree of life, and he is bearing fruit. He is bearing a son, and the son is humanity, calling him father. I say to you, what I've told you tonight and will continue to tell you to the ends of time. I see no other reason for my being here, <clears throat> other than to tell my experience. I was sent as he was sent, whoever he was. He was called by the world, or he was called by the word apostle, because he was sent. That is what the word apostle means, one who is sent. You don't volunteer, you don't do it for yourself. You can't send yourself, you are sent. You are called and sent. So to be called is also to be sent. I was called into that assembly and sent. At the moment, I did not know why I was sent. I only knew I was sent. Then came the experience 30 years later. That's why I was sent. In preparation for the experience, that I simply may take the barnacles off this ship and set it once more straight, even though there are only a few to hear it. What does that matter? There were only a few who heard him. If you read scripture, or if you read scripture carefully, just a few. At the end of his days, he spent the time in his own little home from morning till night. And those who would come, he simply took scripture and showed them where what happened to him was foretold in scripture. But no one reading scripture could have seen it that way. For trained as they were, they were looking for a man, some unique man to come from without and were told that by some miraculous, fantastic way, was the leader of men, and that he would save man. As Hitler said he would, and as Stalin said he would, and Karl Marx said he would, they were all outside saviors. There's no outside savior. The savior is within you. He is buried within you as a pattern, and when the pattern unfolds, it is not another unfolding, it is unfolding. It is you unfolding. He unfolds in you as you. You are the one who finds himself awakening within your own grave, which is your skull. 
It is you who comes out of that skull like one being born. It is you who stands before humanity, personified as the son called David. And he calls you not another, he calls you father. Then you read scripture, and in scripture David calls God father, fulfilling what God said he would do. He said, I will raise up your son after you. He shall come forth from your body. I will be his father, and you shall be my son. Second Samuel seven twelve and 14. And then David is made to say, I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said unto me, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Psalms 2, 7. So the whole thing unfolds, and you go back and read scripture. You have read it before. How on earth could any man ever have understood it until in the fullness of time it unfolded within him? When it unfolded in a man, that man knew what scripture intended all along. Then you tell it to those who are still looking for some external savior, and they are still looking for him. So they turn their backs upon you, and they will not believe you. This is a repeated pattern over and over and over. Some believed, a few believed, but the others disbelieved. I'll find that until the end of my days. He returns to Timothy and tells Timothy to follow the pattern of the sound words. Second Timothy one thirteen. He took the entire 39 books and events widely separated in time, and he brought them together to form the pattern. He found some in the early parts of Genesis and then some in the book of Samuel. Then he found some in the book of Psalms and Jeremiah. He took these patterns and wove them together, and they all unfolded within him. There was a promise in the beginning. He found that in the early parts of Genesis he promises a child, a child that would prove something. That's a son coming, just a son. Then he tells you, here's another sign. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That is in the book of Exodus. And then that happens to you. To me, in this same manner, yes, it's going to happen to you. It happened to me. Like a fiery serpent, I was lifted up. And here is something that recorded it thousands of years ago. The whole thing is contemporary. It is an external drama that is taking place. One is drawn into that eternal drama and then it unfolds within him. I like to repeat it in this manner. If you can conceive of an action, a simple action that is forever taking place, like an eternal command, something to be done absolutely and continuously. It's like, well, the imperative passive move. Something that is done absolutely, but at the same time continuously, without reference to the completeness of the action or the incompleteness of the action, without reference to its duration, without reference to its repetition, without reference to its position and time. It is simply taking place in eternity, and then you are drawn by this like a magnet, and as you are drawn into it, because it is a simple act talked about in scripture, the action unfolds within you. For it is already in you. You are drawn into it and it unfolds within you. You are the one having the experience. You don't see it as something on the outside. You are experiencing the action. 
and when the whole thing unfolds within you, you go back to scripture. And then you see that this is what he, that this is what was said anyway. This is what was prophesied would happen. But if you thought it was going to happen to another, I thought it happened 2,000 years ago to one called Jesus. Now I see that Jesus is a pattern. Jesus is the pattern man buried in every man. And when that pattern unfolds in man, man is Jesus. Well, Jesus is the Lord, the Lord God Jehovah. So there is no other, so there is no room for another God. There is only God. So when asked what is the greatest commandment in the world, he replied, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is no greater commandment. You can't have two gods, only one. But one God becoming us unfolds in us, and we are that one God. So in the end, we are all one. For if the same Son calls you Father, that called me Father, are we not one? We are not going to have another Son. You are going to have the same Son, the identical Son, calling you Father. Well, if He calls you Father, and He really is your Son, and He has already called me Father, and I know He is my Son, and you and I, though we differ in identity, we still are one. We simply are only one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. There can't be a second God or other gods. But in the end, everyone in this world will form one body, one spirit, one Lord, one God, and Father of all. Ephesians 4.4 4. Okay, so... I am going to end the lecture here, and I will continue with the second part of the lecture in the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me uh, for part one of Neville Goddard's lecture titled The Pattern Man. And I will see you guys in the next episode.